0: So, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to preach with Katie this morning because we get to represent the amazing women who preached the gospel for the first time after Jesus' resurrection. So, it's amazing. I love being a woman in ministry, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity to preach the gospel to all of you this morning. So, yeah, we're here to bring you the very good news that Christ is risen. Yesterday was Holy Saturday, as we waited in anticipation for this news today, that Christ is risen. Much of our lives feel like this kind of waiting, the waiting in between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And today is the fulfillment. And I can't imagine the grief and the heaviness, the confusion and the desperation that the disciples felt as Jesus did not rescue himself from the cross. And now we know to wait for that resurrection and to hope in that resurrection. Our faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus and the defeat of death on the cross. Jesus' life was the completion of prophecies that were told for years and years, and we enter into this deep mystery that is the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. The cross is many things as pastor and author Brian Zond says. The cross is the pinnacle of God's self-disclosure. It's divine solidarity with all human suffering. It's the shaming of the principalities and powers. It's the point from which the Satan is driven out of the world. It's the death by which Christ conquers death. It is the abolition of war and violence. It's the supreme demonstration of the love of God it's the refounding of the world around an axis of love it's the enduring model of co-suffering love that we are to follow it's the eternal moment in which the sin of the world is forgiven the cross is not the appeasement of an angry and retributive god the cross is not where jesus saves us from god but where jesus reveals god as savior The cross is not what God inflicts upon Jesus in order to forgive, but what God in Christ endures as he forgives. The cross is where the sin of the world coalesced into a hideous singularity so that it might be forgiven in mass. The cross is where the world violently sinned its sins in the body of the Son of God, and where he absorbed it all, praying, Father, forgive them. The cross is both ugly and beautiful. It's as ugly as human sin and as beautiful as divine love. But in the end, love and beauty wins. Thanks be to God. The one who was fully God and fully human came to end to the end of human life and then defeated death by death, so that we may never fear feel the eternity of death, and that we may spend that eternity together with our Creator in paradise, as life was intended to be. This morning, our scripture comes from Matthew 28. I'm going to be reading the whole chapter this morning, and then Katie's going to touch on verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. So this is Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed him.
1: Good morning. <laughs> I'm really excited to get to share this morning. Uh, you might hear some of the same things again, but hopefully uh, hearing them from three different people <laughs> will resonate with something. Um, I was going to speak last week and I was too sick. Um, and but it's a bit of an upgrade for me because that lesson was on repentance and this one's on resurrection. So that seems <laughs> more fun. Um, so I, I love to know the ending of a story. I think the resurrection, like, spoiler alert, it's 2,000 years ago, but, you know, it's the twist in the story that changes everything. And uh, I think it's, it's important to understand what kind of story we're living in and to know that however tragic it seems at the moment, that's not the end of the story. And that's, uh, that's the resurrection. If Jesus' incarnation was the first glimmer of hope, uh, that light breaking uh, in the darkness, then the resurrection is the evidence, the first evidence, that death isn't the end. That all our suffering here will be transformed through the continuing revelation of the love that created and holds us all. So, even though we're about to recall Jesus' suffering and death, we know that we've been invited into a hopeful story and that the news Jesus brings is good. And we're welcomed into new life in the family of God. So I'm going to back up a little bit uh, and sum up our Good Friday service a bit. Um, Because, obviously, before the resurrection is the crucifixion. And uh, I don't want to gloss over the suffering that Jesus endured uh, before uh, being (laughs) risen. Um, So when Jesus entered Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover, He knew what was waiting him, uh, and he went in anyway. And he went in continuing to teach good news for the poor and warning those in power that uh, they needed to repent um, because he wanted them to also be held in God's love and enter into the kingdom. He demonstrated fully what he meant by loving his enemies. He refused to respond with violence or to allow his disciples to take up arms and defend him. He was betrayed, arrested, condemned, abandoned, mocked, and crucified. He suffered on the cross, cried out to God, and died, and was buried in a tomb. At this point, for Jesus' followers, not only is their hope for the future dark, someone they love has been murdered and they are afraid. Jesus' body was laid in a tomb quickly because of the Sabbath, and the women were waiting until the next day to go and prepare his body for proper burial. And that's where we pick up this story uh, in Matthew 28. Um, and I just, I wanted to sit with that a minute, because I don't assume that uh, we all come to this story from a place of, of excitement. We all are also experiencing suffering in this life, um, and Jesus knows our suffering. Um, so anyway, so we get to the Sabbath, uh, the dawn, and the women go to the tomb, and uh, they, there's a violent earthquake, the angel's there, and the angel... Tells them not to be afraid. That's the Matthew story. <laughs> in the John story, version of the story, the women are outside weeping. And, um, and that, that part really resonated with me, in this sense of, like, they were looking for Jesus and didn't find him. That's what Mary tells the angel when he asks, why are you weeping? She says, I came here <laughs> expecting to find Jesus, and Jesus isn't here. Um, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put Him. And uh, so, I feel like I have felt that that sense of disillusionment and disappointment, thinking that I know where I'm going to find Jesus, and and spending a lot of my younger years being told where to find Jesus and doing it through. Through ministry, through being good, through thinking the right things, um, and lo and behold, <laughs> that didn't always lead to finding Jesus. Um, and I felt a real sense of betrayal of those in authority that had told me, "Do this. That's where Jesus is. You'll find him." And I felt like they were actually actively hiding him from me <laughs> because Jesus wasn't—he wasn't there. Jesus um yeah i guess just that this is this is an experience that i think maybe we can relate to is jesus isn't always where we think he's going to be um and yet the angel tells them to keep going you have a message go tell the disciples don't be afraid and they do they they hurry away uh with fear and joy and I love that as a model of what it means to keep to keep going. And I love that on the way Jesus meets them. Jesus still isn't where they thought he was gonna be, but Jesus comes to them. Um, and so my prayer in that for us is that Jesus meets us along the way as we're going. So the disciples do get the message from the women, and the disciples do go to where Jesus says he will meet them, and he meets them there. Um, And when he appears to them, they worship him and they doubt, like we talked about with the kids. Um, And again, this to me is a beautiful picture of what following God looks like, that it is not one thing or the other, that if we look at the variety of reactions between the women and the disciples, there's fear, there's joy, there's worshipfulness, there's doubt, and Jesus still meets them and gives them this commission and this promise um, that is passed along to us Uh, and but I do want to take a second and be careful about how we hear that commission this might just be me being sensitive but I have had it yelled at me and used as a means of coercion um, and as this sort of authoritarian command conscripting us into god's God's army um and it's been a process but as i as much as i've been learning to hear jesus's call to repent as an invitation to participate in god's ongoing work of redemption and not just condemnation but invitation i am learning to hear this commission also as An invitation to participate in God's work that he trusts us and it's his work and he invites us into it with him and uh, his power and his presence remains with us always and to tie that back into the previous point his presence and power is with us regardless of how we feel it's not based on our emotional state it's not based on our mental state it's not based on our physical state Um, and That's something that that I cling to, and and we've been given these sacraments in the church. Um, Baptism is one. Uh, When we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we enter into new life, Um, and he gave us communion to remember and to receive his presence, and that is something that's a gift that we partake in together, Um, and we're going to spend a little bit of extra time with that. This morning, and really, Rachel's going to lead us.
0: I found a really beautiful liturgy for communion that I would like to share with you. A lot of it is prayer and thanksgiving, so just feel free to receive that however you feel comfortable, whether that's closing your eyes, opening your hands, any way that you feel God speaking to you. And then afterwards we will take communion together. We have individual cups with wafers, and we also have the gluten-free crackers and grape juice. So anyone is welcome who would like to join us. But here's the beautiful liturgy. Christ is risen. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy mystery, that is holy love. You are beyond complete knowledge. Above perfect description, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, source of life, living word, and bond of love, you are creative and self-giving, generously moving in all the near and distant corners of the universe. Nothing exists that does not find its source in you. Through fear-filled days and aching nights, When the powers of death have done their worst, your love has never deserted us. Even when we turn away from you, you are with us. Your presence never fails us. Your gifts of hope and new life transform us. We praise you for Jesus Christ, risen to life, eternal as your love. With the women at the tomb, we raise the strain of gladness. Hallelujah, life is stronger than death. The day of resurrection has come, scattering fear and gloom, and so we rejoice with all your people of every time and place, and with angels and archangels to proclaim the glory of your name. It is Jesus, God incarnate, the risen Christ, who joins us together as a community of broken but hopeful believers, loving what he loved living what he taught, and striving to be his faithful servants in our time and place. In this meal, we remember Jesus, his promises, and the price he paid for who he was, what he said, and what he did. On the night before Jesus died, he took a loaf of bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, Take and eat. Whenever you do this, remember me. After supper, Jesus took the cup and poured, saying, This is the new covenant. Remember me. We do remember. We remember his life of love, his friendship, his teaching, his dying, and his rising to life again. In sharing this meal, we live out the mystery of our faith. Holy mystery, God the Spirit. We call on you to transform these familiar things as you continually transform the world around us. Bless this bread and this cup, the wheat and the grape, the farmer and the harvest, the seed and the sower, so that in the sharing of these simple elements in community, we may taste and see your goodness. Through Christ, in Christ, and with Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, All glory is yours, God most holy, now and forever. We are fed by your love, we are strengthened by your life, we are sent forth into this world to live your ways and share your joy. We are now commissioned to feed as we have been fed, forgive as we have been forgiven, to love as we have been loved. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may come and take communion.